So I have a question. How are small business owners like us, who are spending 60 plus hours a week working in our businesses and are still struggling to make ends meet, who have no time to spend with family, friends, or the things we value most in life, who feel trapped inside of our businesses and it is consuming our lives? How do we get the freedom to be able to work on our businesses and not in them? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answer. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. What's up, everyone? Welcome to today's podcast. My name is John Nichols, and this is Expansion Code Radio. We have a great guest today, Steve Lowell, and he is with us, um, and he he is a specialist in um, in speaking. And so, Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, John. And I, I got to tell you, I've, I've scoped out your show a little bit, and I, I didn't find a single episode where your guest wasn't great. So it just seems to be what you do. Well, the thing is, is that, you know what? It's it, it's pretty interesting because I, I truly believe in optimism in stuff. And the thing is, is that most people, especially if they're if they're if they're inclined enough to get on my podcast and speak, they got to be pretty great. Because the thing is, is that <laughs> this takes a certain kind of person to actually get on and speak about themselves and everything else. And, uh, yeah. And Steve, and, it, and it's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll tell my audience because if you listen to my previous podcast, you understand that Steve accidentally hopped on during a, a previous podcast and it was kind of, and it was fantastic. I, I loved it so much because the thing is, is that, um, we have a saying in my family, uh, and that, that, that we truly believe it's called Boto and Boto is be open to outcome. The outcome was Steve being uh, an early bird on this stuff, you know, being 15 minutes early like we should be doing in life, hopped on early, and it was fantastic. He jumped on, and we just kind of embraced Steve and everything else. And and Steve, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this podcast because um, I think sp- speaking to people is a huge, powerful thing. and. It is something that doesn't come natural for everybody. And I love that this is what you're doing. You're helping empowering people to become the best versions of themselves through speaking. So I love that. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's true. It's not something that a lot, that everybody can do naturally. And, and, you know, I'll just backtrack a second. The reason I popped in a few minutes early is, is because <laughs> I, I wasn't familiar with the system. And so generally... I try and get to the spot, you know, a little bit early and pop in and just to make sure it works and then close out. So I popped in and there you guys were, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I thought that was really cool. And, and, you know, what's interesting about that, John, is, you know, you have turned that into a new connection, right? I mean, I was in there for three, five seconds, maybe. Uh, and the, ho- the, the guest that you had there um, said, hey, you know, Steve and I should connect. And this is how connections roll out organically. And you know that you're a serial entrepreneur. you got businesses all over. And you know that sometimes the best connections just drop out of the ether in the weirdest positions at the weirdest time. That is. That, that is so true. And, and the thing is, is that, and in, 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 in Agal goes back to this um, <clears throat> acronym that, that our family has embraced of, of BOTO, be open to outcome. And the thing is, is that I call these things like, like what happened, a happy accident. They are great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it kind of reminds me of Bob Ross, you know, oh, look, oh, well, this isn't quite right. This is a happy accident. We're going to make this into a tree. And he, he paints a tree sure. over whatever <laughs> it was. You know, I mean, I, I love Bob Ross's happy accidents. 
and everything else. And and uh, I, you know, so some of some of my listeners may not even know who Bob Ross is. So if y'all don't know who Bob Ross is, please go check him out. He is he's passed away, but he had this gigantic afro when he was a painter, and he had this TV show that showed you how to paint uh, landscapes. So check it out, folks. But anyhow, but so Steve, tell us a little bit about you. And uh, and I know we kind of have rounded about to getting to this piece of it, but tell me a little bit about you and 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 your journey, and more than anything, um, your story. Because the thing is, is that I've been realizing more and more that people's stories are really important in life, and to be able to have a place to be able to tell your story and connect with people through story is huge. Well, it's true. And I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, that's a big reason why I do what I do is because I, I, I believe that everybody has a story, John. And, and so many of these stories and so many of these people, these stories will never be heard because so many people who have these amazing stories you know, don't have the skill or the confidence or the opportunity to get in front of an audience, whether it's on a stage or it's on a screen or on a podcast or whatever, and, and share their story. And, and I learned that you know, many years I've been training professional speakers around the world now for about 35 years. And, and the, the way I got into that was this. Um, I've been on the live stage since the age of six. Okay. And now I'm 60 now. So that's, you know, 54 years ago. Now at six, I wasn't speaking as much as I was playing my guitar. I was a little guitar guy, you know, and I had, you know, big, thick glasses, skinny little guy. I could barely reach over the guitar, but I was on, on stages playing my guitar because it was a bit of a novelty, a little guy like that playing, playing the guitar. Um, and then I started, you know, telling stories when I was playing and, and, and I just loved being on the stage and in front of people. And then in my teens, um, I joined a band or I formed a band and, and I was not singing in the band. I was just a guitar player. I got really good at playing lead guitar. So I formed a band and we took that on the road. And then by the time I was in my early twenties, we had made some, some records. And I'm sure that some of your audience still remembers the little black records, you know, the, they look like black yeah. CDs, you know, the, the 45s yeah. that we were making those that just dated myself again. And then um, what happened was I got fascinated with the world of speaking. And I guess I was uh, 22 years old, something like that. And I stumbled across a video of the great Zig Ziglar, whom anybody in the speaking business knows who, who Zig Ziglar is. And, and I was fascinated by this guy because I'm watching him on this video. He's on the stage. He's got no equipment. He's got no bandmates. His audience is not drunk. Uh, and he's just speaking. And I thought this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And I was just fascinated with the concept. So I started taking some steps and I joined a, a major training organization out of the U.S. called the Dale Carnegie training organization. And I joined them yeah. as a student. I took all their courses and then I went to work for them in sales. Uh, and then I became an assistant uh, instructor. And then ultimately I got, uh, I got trained to be a Dale Carnegie instructor. And what happened was when it came time for me to sign the agreement, to sign the contract, I couldn't sign it. Uh, and the reason I couldn't sign it was because um, there was there were things that they were teaching that I just didn't believe in enough to commit myself to teaching them, and and so I said I can't I can't sign this because there's there's enough in here that I cannot authentically represent, and it would be doing you know them a disservice and doing me a disservice. So I declined to sign, and then I went on my own and started training people just with my own insights because having been on stage my whole life. 
I had some idea of what works and what doesn't work and all those things. And then, uh, so over time, um, I, I just got really good at, at coaching speakers and, and I'm a speaker as well. I've traveled all over the world and I, and I speak and I'm an award-winning speaker, but my gift really is taking, you know, like you, John, and putting you on a stage in front of an audience and pulling magic out of you that you never knew existed. And that's, that's my, like my real gift. So that's what I've been doing around the world now for, well, since then, so close to 35 years now, I've been, I've been doing that. So that's where I come from. And, and so what I'm finding today, it's really interesting, John, because, you know, over the past two and a half years or two years or so, you know, what's been going on with COVID and all those things. And so many experts, um, you know, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, thought leaders, you know, healers, um, they, they've turned to the screen uh, to present. And they've gotten comfortable presenting on the screen at summits and on podcasts and on, you know, webinars and all these things. They've come, become very comfortable with the screen. And so many of them now are thinking, you know what? I think I want to go out onto the stage, onto the live stage. And they're not ready. They're not prepared because this experience on a screen is complete or over a microphone is completely different than an experience on a stage. And, and so what I'm doing now is a lot of my work. Um, is people who are leaving their careers and want to speak, people who have amassed decades of wisdom and experience and knowledge and creativity and content, and they want to bring it to a stage. And so I'm the one that helps them prepare that signature talk and then prepare them to get on those stages and, you know, really rock the world and monetize their message from the stage. So that's kind of where I'm from. Yeah. I mean, that is such a interesting thing. It's, 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 you know, one of my favorite classes I had in college was public speaking, and I excelled mm. at it. Um, and the thing is, is that uh, you know, I've been on some, I've been on some different stages. I've been in front of people, been in front of small groups, big groups, all kinds of things. Um, and the thing is, is that the one thing that always stood out about that is that sometimes it's really hard to get comfortable doing it. Mm. And it's not necessarily for me. It wasn't necessarily afraid of speaking in front of all these people it was for me the stage itself you know here i am so i so 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 first of all you're ever elevated on most stages mm -hmm. it's very rare that you are ever ever on the same level it does happen on occasions but it's very rare um it was it, speaking of that we, me and my wife were this past summer was in new york city and we went and seen a play um and, and, and so, so, uh, the seats was in a bowl that came down and then the stage was at the very bottom. And oh, so okay. if you sit on the front row, you could actually put your foot on the stage that they did. So wow. that was pretty cool. But anyhow, that, that there's a, that's a, I mean, but, but I thought it was really interesting because, because then you got really up close and, 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 and personal with the acting going on in this Broadway show. Anyhow, but the the thing is, is that it's for me. It's always been how to use the stage and how to be comfortable up on the stage. I never had a problem speaking in front of the people itself, but it's still to this day, you know, the the you how to use the stage and what to do. And and for me, it's like, okay, I don't want to look stupid up here on the stage. And how do I use the stage to best convey the message? Because I don't have the problem speaking the message. It's 
basically, what am I doing up here? Does that make sure. sense? Oh, it, may, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and I'll tell you um, that there are a lot of speaker coaches out there who will teach all kinds of strategies about overcoming stage fright. And, and I can do that, and I do do that. But here, here's what I've learned over the years. Having been on stage since the age of six, I can tell you that even now at 60 years old, I still get nervous every time I hit the stage. And I don't ever want that to stop. And the reason I don't want that to stop is because that nervous energy is what gives me power on the stage. I've learned how to convert that nervous energy into, into strength. So here is the one, the one biggest tip I think that, that is, that I've learned that I think is the most important thing for speakers to know when they take the stage and they get that really nervous feeling, you know, and you just said it. You said, I don't want to look stupid. And that's the problem. That's what's causing you to be uncomfortable. And so the one word that I tell speakers is permission, right? Give yourself permission to just be you. And, And what happens is if you give yourself permission to just be you and you don't care about looking stupid, and, and then what happens is your authentic expression just sort of releases itself. So there's, that's the first thing. And then going in tandem with that is if you put yourself in a mindset of service to that audience and you, you know, we, we get our mind off of our self, off of our self image, <coughs> off of I don't want to look stupid and what am I going to do and I don't know how to do this. If we get our mind off of that and we put ourselves in service to the audience, how can I serve this audience? And I'm going to serve this audience by giving myself permission just to be myself. Now, this doesn't mean you you must not be prepared. You know, this is rule number one, you know, and, and it's amazing how many speakers just get up and say, oh, you know what, Steve, I'll just I'll just wing it. You know, I'm so comfortable on the stage. I'm just going to wing it. Well, n- no professional speaker ever in history ever you know, made it big and made lots of money by winging it, right? Just like no NHL hockey team ever won the Stanley Cup by winging it. No NFL football team ever won, you know, the, the for, by, by winging it. I mean, that, that just doesn't happen. So you got to be prepared. But when you get up there and if you give yourself permission to release yourself and to be your natural, authentic state on the stage, um, then that really gives you an enormous amount of power. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it really does. And the thing is, is that, um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, um, in my life, I've really talked about and done things in a stewardship kind of a way. And so the thing is, is that anytime I've ever had to speak on stage, you know, I'll, I'll look at it. It's the same kind of the same. It's the same concept. It, they say in Thailand, same, same, different. <laughs> and um and so the thing is, is that I look at it as though is that these people in the audience, uh, I have stewardship over them and it's mm-hmm. my job to help, to help them in any way possible. And that's the only way I can do it is through serving them. And that's it. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that, and what I'm loving about what you're saying is that you're taking someone's thought process and you're reframing it in a way that they can process it and and adopt basically mm-hmm. you know they they have to buy into this piece of service you know hey i'm serving these people while they are in my stewardship here yeah. while i'm on stage you know you know wh- whether they pay money to come in or wh- whatever you are still here to serve them and I really exactly. love that piece of it. It's um, 
because because it falls into my philosophy on life and and my purpose and my why and everything else. So it all talks about you know my whole purpose of this podcast is to serve a group of people that I'm that I may never ever meet, but I can still serve them through this podcast by my experiences, the things I can help bring them to, and then by getting great guests on like yourself and helping people get past the things they have in life where they can get to another per to where they can get to another point in their life where they can be the best version of themselves. Yeah. I and, love it. I love it. It's a great policy. Yeah. And, and then the thing is, is that that's what you're doing with, with speakers. You're helping them be the best version of themselves that they could ever be. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, that's a certainly a big part of, of, of doing this work, because like I say, so many people come to me and they, some of them have had these massive experiences, you know, John, they, some of them have, have suffered major things in their lives. I call it the big story, you know, or their big mess. And a lot of people say, I, I don't want to have gone through all that for nothing. And there's lessons that I learned from those experiences that I want to share with the, with the world, because there are others who are experiencing something and I might have some value based on what I've, I've learned. And they, they struggle because they don't know how to bring that expertise. They don't know how to tell the stories. So many speaker coaches, and this really bothers me about speaker coaches, and, and that is they, if, if they're working with somebody who has a big story, what they coach the speakers to do is come onto the stage and go right into the big story. Um, and that's, it's the exact wrong thing to do. Um, and there's all kinds of reasons behind that. But so many people with a big story really struggle to get their message across because the first thing they do is they bring their audience or their listener into their big story. And the audience or the listeners never get an opportunity to prepare themselves to experience the big story. And so by extension, these speakers position themselves as victims. And once you position yourself as a victim on the stage or on the screen or on, on a podcast or wherever, it's very difficult to step out of that. And people <laughs> don't want to learn. People are less likely to receive learning from a victim. They want to learn from those who were victorious. And so part of reframing, you know, these, these folks and their stories is first, we have to make sure that you have claimed victory over that big story. And then we need to make sure that the audience knows right away that you are here as a victor, not a victim. And so that's one of the reversal things that I've had to do many, many, many times as people have come to me that they've been through other speaking training programs and I see their stories and I know exactly what they've been taught. They've been taught to get up there and place themselves in victimhood right away. And so my job is to switch that around and help them claim victory of their story in front of that audience, give the audience some hope, prepare the audience, you know, that you're going to hear a story here today that might be difficult to hear. Um, but I, you know, like I promise you, I've claim victory over this. And I'm going to show you how you can claim victory over yours. And, and if you can position yourself that way, then the big story can really be of value to people. And I think if I think back of all the years that I've been doing this, that is the one biggest thing that people struggle with is I've got this massive story and I don't know how to bring it to the world in a way that actually helps people. Yeah. It, I mean, and, what, and the thing is, is that you know, you're helping people get out of their own way too, because 
and and the thing is, is that I, I I've been sitting in an audience before, and and I've and I've heard these stories like this, and they go into it, and then and then and then they they show the victory at the end, but but I'm already in the theme box. Man, you've had a really sucky life, or you know, I'm so sorry <laughs> yeah. that this has happened to you, whatever. And then yeah. they say, oh, but I had a victory. I'm just like, and then I'm skeptical. Have you really had a victory? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lady, um, there's a lady I saw speak many years ago. Um, I haven't heard from her lately. She's got a, a long name. The name is uh, Immaculate Illabagiza. And so I'm not going to try and spell that, but if your listeners want to look her up and try and find it, Immaculate Illabagiza. And I'll tell you just a little bit about her. Immaculate was, uh, she's a, you know, a, a beautiful lady and she's from Rwanda. And she was part of the Rwandan uh, genocide, and she was on the victim side of that. So her, all of her friends and neighbors and, and everybody she knew was on the hunt to try and kill her. So the short version of the story, John, is that hmm. she was uh, hidden in a room, in a bathroom for 30-something days with six other women and couldn't leave because the whole world was hunting her down. Um, and and if she, um, you know, she came out of that. And so that's a pretty horrific story. And all of her family were all killed. When she stepped out of that room, everybody was dead. So here's what happened. I got introduced to this lady through um, a gentleman named Wayne Dyer, who some of your reader, your listeners will, will know. And he yeah. put her on the stage and her introduction itself claimed absolute victory. When she came out, she always speaks with a rosary in her hand. She's very religious, very Catholic. She came out and she did not move. She stood there, stoic on the stage, and everything about her was about victory, was about love, was about forgiveness, was about togetherness, was about healing, everything. Her energy, her voice, her facial expressions, just her presence exuded all of those things. There was no victim in her at all. And yet she had one of the most horrific stories I'd ever heard. And the, the, the result of that is, you know, she... Um, she went all over the world and she became very famous at the time, Immaculate Illa Bagiza. And if you get a chance, just sort of scope that out and see what you can find about her. But that's what it is. Just like you said, John, you know, if if, if she could have gone out and, and introduced herself as a victim of the Rwandan genocide, as, you know, this poor lady who had this horrific experience, but her message would not have been as well received as it was because she claimed victory right from the first word. Right from the second you laid her your eyeballs on her, you know that this is not a victim. Big smile on her face, so warm and welcoming, and that's how she claimed victory. <clears throat> that is that that is a great story. I mean, the thing, you know, <clears throat> I think it's hard for lots of people to get out of a victim mentality, anyhow, hmm. and. I mean, and even if they have a powerful story to where they have overcome it, it's really difficult for lots of people to to, to get out of that victim mentality in life, and and overcome that victim mentality. And I I think that's a great powerful story. I was just sitting here listening and just contemplating what you were saying and trying to take it all in. And you know, her staying up there stoic, just <clears throat> showing the world that you know that. You know that she's overcome something that is has been crazy in her life um, mm. and moving forward. And I think lots of people have stories, maybe not as bad as that, but still have stories of overcoming. And it's making sure that 
that victim mentality doesn't come out. It's, yeah, you know, and it's so important, you know, and because, you know, I, sometimes I get in, in my client's um, face a little bit and, you know, because they, they get so attached to their story and sometimes they feel like that's all they have is their story and their story becomes part of their identity. And sometimes we have to sort of separate the person from the story and leave room for the actual message in between them. And so, you know, sometimes I get in their face a little bit and I say, look, here's the reality. Nobody cares about your story. Really? Nobody cares about your story <clears throat> unless you can position your story in a way that benefits them. And if you can't position your story in a way that benefits them, then they can't receive the powerful message. And the best you can hope for is that they walk away with a poor her or poor him attitude. And that doesn't help anybody. And so sometimes as speakers, as, as, as people with big stories, we have to separate the story from the person. And we have to understand the story is not the thing. It's the learning from the story. It's the growth that can happen from the story. It's the transformational message from the story. That's the thing. The story is just a vehicle. But when we make the story the thing, then it actually separates us from the audience. And, and, you know, we'll get all kinds of sympathy and we'll get all of the, you know, all of the hugs and all of the prayers and we'll get all those things. But the purpose of getting on a platform, whether it's live or, or a platform like you and I are on, the purpose is not to get sympathy. The purpose is not to make people feel bad, right? The purpose is to help people. And your story cannot help people if you don't demonstrate the victory. And, and it's, it's just so important. And you're right. You know, John, people, sometimes people really struggle with separating from that story. And I understand why, because it becomes part of who they are and they've earned that story. They've lived through it. They've endured it. They have you know, drawn wisdom from that, that story. They earned the right to be attached to that story. But if they want to really help people with the story, they need to detach and leave room for the message. My, so I have a, I have a business coach. His name is Dr. Robert Rome. He's out of uh Oh yeah, he, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Dr. Robert Rome. Yeah. Of course. Any, yeah. And um, anyhow, and so he's my business coach and I, I know him personally. Um, the personality insights and mm -hmm. he uh, one of his favorite things to talk about it. He, he, he says, if you really want to make an impact on people, you tell a story, make a point or you make a point and tell a story. I think if you've got some of the, one of these big impactful, emotional driven stories like this, where you've overcome stuff, make that point first before you ever mm -hmm. get to that story, claim that victory first as you're talking about before you make that story, because it's really interesting because I, um, I'm a certified, uh, John Maxwell leadership coach and, mm -hmm. and I take on some clients and one of the first things we, we, we talk about is, well, there's, there's two things. We talk about fear and we talk about awareness. And the thing is, is that when, when I talk about fear, I tell a story first and Fear is in the story, but it's kind of hidden inside this story. Because mm -hmm. this story talks about when I was a kid climbing a cherry tree, helping my sister climb. Uh, my sister wanted to learn how to climb a tree, so I, I got her in the tree and we climbed up and stuff. And as we climbed back down, um, she had to jump down basically three feet, and she was fearful, and it and it and it came over her, and 
and paralyzed her and she couldn't jump down. And I got frustrated with her, ran off to the woods. And th- th- this is a true story about everything that happened. Ran off my grandmother, uh, gets her out of the tree, gives me a really big spanking and stuff. And then I end the story. And then I ask people at the very end, what, what did you get out of this story? And they're just like, oh, well, you know, this was the first time your grandmother ever spanked you. And, you know, in, in that there stands out in your life. As I said, and then I turn around, I'm just like, well, the one thing that stood out in the story for me was the fear my sister had, how three feet paralyzed her fear because she was afraid she was going to jump down at hers. Hmm. Then I turn around and ask, what's been, what's been a fear in your life that's paralyzed? So I used this story to draw out first thing in my coaching, you know, because, 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 because people can remember when they were kids and what they did as kids. And maybe they wanted to climb a tree. Maybe they were an avid tree climber. And and then I draw these people in on, on a story. And then, and then, because most people will recall the last thing that you talk about in a story, unless it's crazy powerful. And I just kind of hide this fear in there. And, and I bring it up three or four times, but they normally go back to um, this spanking I got by my grandmother. And the really cool thing about this is, is that it really I position it in a way that, that draws at, draws them in to the thing. Because I, because I say, you know, the one thing, this is, this is what this story reminds me of. When was a time that you got paralyzed? And then it really gets them thinking about it. And it's a great way for me in my coaching. Excuse me. I am. My sinuses are draining. Man. Crazy. Hey, I'm on the last two days of a wicked cold too. It's the time of year, yeah. I think, brother. So I'm sure everybody's yeah. going to be just fine. I'm I'm putting my mic on mute when I have to cough because I, I just have a quick mute button right here, so yeah. I get a bit of a damage. That's okay. You just keep going. But um, but the thing is, is that it it it, it ends up making the, making this transition into them thinking about their stuff. It's not like I'm just coming straight out and saying, Steve, give me a time when fear paralyzed you. You're just like, I don't, I don't know. But, but, but when I tell this story and I say, you know, the one thing that, the one thing that I got out of this story was the fear. And da, da, da. then I ask you, so, so as I'm talking about this, it, you automatically are going to start thinking about when was the time that fear paralyzed me? Then I ask you, Hey, Steve, when was the time that fear paralyzed you? You're just like, Oh crap. John just asked me what I was thinking about. <laughs> And then, and then, and then, and then we start pulling these things out. Then we can deal with them. Um, and then we can deal with root problems on certain things and get this stuff out of the way with first before I can get into helping somebody be the best version of themselves and helping them get to a place to where they're able to move forward, um, uh, in things. And so story, I think and it's really interesting. Story has come into my life so much here lately. I was at a conference back, I don't know, a month or so ago, <clears throat> and the and the guest speaker was a professional storyteller. And so <clears throat> it's really interesting that story is becoming so big a part of my life. Hmm. Yeah, that's that that is uh, fascinating and it, and it should be a big part of your life. So because you know, you said a lot of things there and and especially as a coach when your part of your job is to demonstrate to your clients or an audience, if you're speaking, what you're capable of. And so stories fulfill a number of functions. And th- when you were just talking about 
your story, the primary store or the function of those stories, like you're telling them, um, is to help your audience to do two things. Number one is to put whatever you're talking about into context so that they can frame it a certain way. And the other part is, which is even more important, like you said, and that is to see themselves in the story so that they can say, oh, yeah, I had a time like that, too. And so now you're building this relationship between them. There are a couple of other strategics, uh, strategic um, functions of story that a lot of people miss, um, and they don't really think about this. So uh, I'll just reveal this very quickly. When you're telling your stories, it's of much value to your audience and to your clients and the people in your coaching program, because like I say, it's putting in the context and they can see themselves in the story and it reminds them of, of their own thing. But there are, there are things that stories can do that can benefit you tremendously as a speaker. And, and here are three key ones. And if, if we as, as speakers and coaches and consultants and authors and all the things that we do, if we can remember these three things when we're selecting and telling our stories, it will make them even more powerful. And this is number one. Number one is the story um, should be able to reveal something about you personally that you want your audience to know, which yours did. You did do that. And so, you know, oftentimes I'll tell stories that have nothing to do with my content but I want the audience to know something about my personality. I want them to know something about the way I think. I want them to understand something about me, which is going to serve me and them going further into the talk. So it should reveal something about you that you want your audience to know, even if it's something personal. The second thing a story should do for you as the speaker is it should reveal your capability. So one of the th stories that I tell, it, it, it's about this guy named Brian, the tennis instructor, and I won't tell it here, but basically here's what happens. I go into uh, to an audience and I ask the audience, let's say there's I don't know, 200 people. I'll ask the audience, put up your hand if you or somebody you know is in the market for a tennis instructor and no hands go up. Maybe one goes up now and then. Then I tell a story. Then at the end of the story, I'll just say, let me ask you this question. Put up your hand if you think you might know somebody who's in the market for a tennis instructor and every hand in the place goes up. So there's a purpose to that story. So what I demonstrate in that story is that can I can teach you how to present yourself in a way that takes an entire audience from I'm not interested to tell me more. So that story that I tell in the middle reveals that capability. So if you, you know, we, we want to have a story that reveals what we're capable of rather than us just telling the audience what we're capable of. So two, two functions there so far. Number one is to reveal something about you that you want the audience to know. Number two is to reveal something that, that demonstrates your, um, your skill and what you can do. And the third power of story for the speaker is if a story can validate the outcomes that you claim you can provide. And, and this is not a testimonial. That's not the, the story I'm talking about. I'm talking about a story where the audience can watch something unfold before the eyes of their mind and see an actual result happen that validates what you can do. So these are three very powerful uses of story, and most people are not aware of them. And, and so they just, we seem to tell stories because we want the audience to be entertained. We want to give them some context and we want them to, you know, to be able to frame this for themselves. And all of that is good. And we have to do that. And it's important to do that. What we don't want to do is forget that there's power for us too. We can reveal pieces of who we are that help the audience receive our message. We can demonstrate exactly what we're capable of doing and we can validate our history in doing that. So I, I'll toss those out there because not that many people think of those three elements or those three functions of a story. 
that is so that is so good. I mean, I I love that. <clears throat> In fact, I mean, I would really like to like to, like to hear the story about the tennis instructor, but I don't think we have time today to do that. But I mean, but yeah, I mean, we can do. I mean, it's two minutes. Do we have two minutes? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Okay. Tell me the story right. because it's, it's okay. because I want to be the guy that raises his hand and says, "Yeah, I need a tennis yeah, instructor." Exactly. You want to be the guy. Okay. So here, here's how it works. Okay. Um, and I do this virtually as well. You know, I'll have them raise their electronic hand or type yes or no in the chat window. So here's the question. Yeah. First question is, you know, let's say there's 200 people. So I'll say, okay, put up your hand if you were somebody you know was in the market for a tennis instructor, and the hands the hands do not go up. And I make a big deal of it. Okay, I say, if your hand is up, keep it up nice and high. Keep it up there nice and high. Everybody look around the room and you'll see that there are no hands up. Nobody's in the market for a tennis instructor. Then I'll do this. I'll say, there's about 200 people here. I'm going to guess that at least half of you are either in the market for a tennis instructor right now or you know somebody who is. So then I said, let me tell you about this guy named Brian. Brian came to me about 18 years ago and he said, he said, Steve, I'm going to all the networking events. I'm shaking all the hands. I'm getting all the business cards. I'm making all the phone calls. You know, I'm doing all the work. He said, I'm just, I'm not getting the business that I need. And I said, well, Brian, what do you do? He says, I'm a tennis instructor. So we see what the market is for tennis instructors. Nobody's walking the earth looking for a tennis instructor unless they actually need a tennis instructor. So we taught Brian this fundamental principle. And, and there's, there's a number of principles here, but the one I'll share right now is this. You know, when you tell a story, when you speak to an audience, when, and the story could be the answer to what do you do, whatever you, however you answer that is a story. And the story you tell, the information you give is going to position your listener or your audience in one of two ways. And there's only two. It's either going to position you as somebody they need or somebody they don't. And so when, when Brian says, I'm a tennis instructor, he immediately positions himself in their mind as somebody they don't need. So we taught Brian to position himself as somebody they do need. And so if you, if you saw Brian today and you said, Brian, what do you do? He would say something like this. He'd say, well, you know how sometimes kids get so much energy and they get so excited and they're bouncing off the walls and the parents get so frustrated because they have no idea what to do with these kids. He'd say, well, what I do is I take kids of any age. I bring them on a tennis court. I absolutely exhaust them and I hand them back to their parents. And then I ask the audience. Put up your hand if you might know somebody who might be in the market for a tennis instructor. And every hand in the place goes up and it happens every single time all over the world. And so that demonstrates a little bit about what I do if I'm talking about that thing. So now everybody in the audience says, I want a story like that, right? Just like you said, John, I want to know how to go from I'm not interested to tell me more. So now what happens is I'm on the, I'm on the stage and everybody out there now, they want to talk to me. They want to download whatever it is I'm offering. They want to talk to my wife and set up a time to chat. Like they want to find out, Steve, how do I go from I'm not interested to tell me more? And all of that happens because that story reveals something about my ability. You see? And so yes. all the stories that I select reveal something about either my character, they reveal something about my ability, or they validate what I can do. And in addition to all those things, they also put the, the um, you know, what we're talking about into context for the audience. So I'm very tactical and very strategic about the stories that, that I tell. So this is amazing because I do something very similar with my coaching. Stuff. So mm, if good. I'm at an event or something else and um, people come here, you shake your hands and stuff, and people ask, they shake my hand and say, 
so so th- th- this is just for my leadership coaching period only okay and so um they shake my hand they say hey so what do you do and i tell them i say well i facilitate people's potential hmm. and then i it's quiet and it, and it really intrigues people because i don't say oh well, you know i'm a leadership coach da, 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 da. right i yeah. mean because that turns people off but but then so 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 the thing is so what i love about that story is that you are peaking curiosity first of all in that mm-hmm. and then and then and then then you're given a solution for that curiosity and so yeah right. I, I facilitate people's potential well, what does that mean well the thing is is that i i help you help you get to the places that you want to be at in your life um through leadership you know and you know and leadership is nothing more than influence and we all we all have influence over someone and we are always influenced by someone else. I said, so it's so so it's a pretty simple thing. And I talked to people, and they're just like, huh, that's pretty interesting. Because the thing is, is that, you know, if you just shake all the time, oh, you know, whatever, um, it people kind of tune out a little bit. And then and then so like for me, like like I introduced myself to you and I told you what all I do, but the thing is is that it was just for your information, right? I mean, I was just giving information. Right. And my wife, I mean, my wife sometimes says, "Well, sometimes it sounds like you're bragging about what you do." I'm just like, for most people I meet, I'm just trying to give them information. I'm not trying, you know, it's it's not about me. It's just, you know, I, I try to give people facts about things. Yeah, and I just find it really interesting that um, I I love that story about because because I had no idea where you were going, but then it it related to me because I do something sim. sim- I mean, it's similar, but it's different. Hmm. Um, and I just think it's, and I think it's a very powerful way of going about it. I think what you do is amazing, by the way, Steve. It's um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot coming from you, John. Thank you. And, 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 and uh, you know, the thing is, is because because you're really helping people. I mean, you you are really serving these folks that really need something to get past what to get past themselves. You really are mm-hmm. bringing out the potential in them through a way that is very serving and caring. And I, and I, and I love that because, because I, I mean, it's, it's very evident in your stories about how, about how you present yourself and about how you are going after these people, because it's, because it's, because, because I've been around some other uh, speaker coaches before. And, um, and a lot of these folks have this arrogant ego, a piece about them. And you are just much more, easy to talk to and easy to relate to and with no ego involved in it. And you gave information. Yes. I've been doing this since I've been six years old. That's just information. Yes. I've been helping people do this for 35 years. That's just information. And then you tell the stories about these and the people say, Oh my gosh, Steve is really helping. I love. Well, I I hope so. Those are kind words and I appreciate those kind words. And I, I hope that there's, you know, that there will be listeners to to this episode that might pick up something that might be of value to them. You know, I mean, that that's why we do these things. That's why you have yeah. a podcast, because you've got so many things that you want to share with people. And hopefully that's there'll be it. somebody, somebody went out there that says, you know, that there's something that I can. So, Steve, so if my listeners want to know more about you, get connect with you or anything, how can we do that? Yeah, easiest way is my website. Everything is there, stevelowell.com. That's Steve with a V, so S-T-E-V-E, Lowell, L-O-W-E-L-L. So stevelowell.com, and 
all my stuff is there and they can connect with me there. We've always got webinars going on. We've got, you know, all kinds of activities going on all the time and there's courses there. and There's lots of things that they can check out there. Perfect, Steve. So what I'll do is that is it is it I'll throw your bio in in the podcast notes, and I also throw in doing the links for this too. So, folks, if you're listening out there, go go to the podcast notes, click on Steve's links, and you'll be able to uh, be in touch with him and uh, be able to connect with him. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, it's a pleasure, John. Thank you for inviting me, and I just want to congratulate you on your success and congratulate you on your work because you're just you're really helping a lot of people. Thank, those are kind words. Thank you so much. Well, folks, I just want to thank you for listening today, and we will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for joining me today and listening to this episode. Hopefully, what I shared with you will help you in your business journey as we share to help others expand their minds, businesses, and profits. If this episode did help you, be sure to share it with someone else that you know that it will help. We can only achieve our mission if we share it with others and always give first. I hope I can also help you even further by sharing my resources. It is a page that contains all the digital assets we use to expand our business and to help us free up time. The great thing about this page is completely free. Just go to resources.expansioncode.com to get your free access. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a fantastic day, my friends.